0: Let's turn to Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. Go to Acts chapter number 2, beginning with verse number 1. Acts chapter number 2, beginning with verse number 1. And we're going to look at a few verses here. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse number 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were setting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together, and they were confused, because everyone... Everyone heard them speak in their own language. Let's look at verse 6. And they heard this sound, and when this sound occurred, the multitude came together, they were confused, because everyone heard them speak in their own language. Lord, add the blessing to the preaching of Your Word, and uh, we won't fail to praise You for it, and everyone said Amen. I've started preaching on the Holy Spirit because... In a few Sundays, we're going to celebrate Pentecost Sunday. And that is the coming of the Holy Spirit. So I'm trying to get you prepared for Pentecost Sunday. And we are called Pentecostals. You know, with that term Pentecostal, there comes so much, there's so much baggage with that, there is so much misunderstanding with that, some people get confused of what we mean by, what does it mean to be a Pentecostal? And so what I want to do this morning, I want you to separate being a Pentecostal from the day of Pentecost, all right? And I want you to look at this Scripture from a different standpoint this morning, all right? Now, I want to remind you this morning that the Gospel is that He lived, that He, well, he came, He lived, He died, He rose again, He ascended, The Holy Spirit came, and He's coming back. That is the Gospel. Let me say that again. The Gospel is He came, He lived, He died, He arose, He ascended, the Spirit came, and He's coming back. I'm going to say that one more time. That's the Gospel. The Gospel is He came, He lived, He died, He arose, He ascended, the Holy Spirit came, and He's coming back again. I'm going to say it one more time so we can get it. Ready? What is the Gospel? The Gospel is He came. He lived. He died. He arose. He ascended. The Holy Spirit came and He's coming back again. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we like to preach the Gospel and we don't really realize that the Holy Spirit is a part of the Gospel. The Holy Spirit is a big part Of the gospel, just like God in the book of Genesis took a piece of dirt. He took the piece of dirt and he molded it into what he called man. And guess what the whole, guess what God did to that piece of dirt? God breathed into that piece of dirt and that piece of dirt became a living soul. Is that right? God took a piece of dirt. Adam is the Hebrew word red clay. God took a piece of dirt, molded it into what He called man, and He breathed into man, and man became a living soul. And guess what God did on the day of Pentecost? God took what was called the church, and He put, he put the Jews together, he put the Gentiles together. He put the whites together. He put the African Americans together. He put the Asians together. He lumped them all together and he breathed his life into it and it became a living organization.
1: The church
0: became a living organization. A living, breathing organization when the Holy Spirit came and he breathed life into the church the Bible says it was the day of Pentecost and the Spirit came now Pentecost means 50 so it was a celebration so on the day of Pentecost you had all of these people from around the world and they were in Jerusalem you had people from Greece you had people from Asia you had people from your, you had people from every you had uh, you had people from everywhere coming to the city of Jerusalem and they're worshiping God. So you had a lot of people in the city of Jerusalem speaking different languages. All right? Cuz they're there to celebrate the day of Pentecost. So there's lots of people on the day of Pentecost and God chose that day and the Bible says the spirit came and the spirit hovered, and it came upon them as a cloven tongues as a fire, and they begin to speak with other tongues. Now I'm going to ask you a few questions this morning, and hopefully you can answer it. Number one, what does it mean to have or what does it mean that what does it take to get Pentecostal power? You know, sometimes we think that if we don't shout in church, or if we don't speak in tongues in church, Or if we don't fall on the floor in church, then we didn't have church. And that is a big misconception among Pentecostals. Listen, I've been in Pentecost all my life, and I've seen people fall on the floor and shout and speak in tongues, and they talk dirty jokes in the parking lot. I've seen people shout and jump and speak in tongues, and yet they don't know how to treat the waiter right when they go out to eat. I've seen people shout, jump, and speak in tongues, and yet they they can't even get along with their spouse. Come on, somebody. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it take for Pentecostal power? What does it mean to have Pentecostal power? And what I want to do just for a few moments, I want to twist, I want to spin the text a little bit, and I want you to see it from a different angle. What? Does it take for the Pentecostal power? And the very first thing that I see here is the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 15. Acts chapter 1, verse 15 says this. Acts 1.15, And in those days Peter stood in the midst of the disciples. all Altogether, the number of them, Acts 1 15, the number of them was 120. 120 people was in the upper room. Everybody shout 120. How many people was in the upper room? 120. You know why I think that's significant? Guess what? Everybody look up here. In the Old Testament, in order for you to have a synagogue that was a formal, recognized synagogue, that God recognized, you had to have at least 120 people in the synagogue. So in the Old Testament, you had to have at least 120 people to do formal business in a synagogue. God was establishing something new on the day of Pentecost. The synagogue was an old way of worship. But God is saying, I'm going to establish something new. And I'm, going, I'm not just establishing something for the Jews to take, bus- to take care of business with. i got another business to take care of and that is people business. And I'm going to gather a new group of people, and I'm going to gather 120 people, and those 120 people are going to be endued with the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to recognize these 120 as the new formal group called the church. And so what happens, Jesus said, go wait for it, And so these disciples are waiting for it. hundred and twenty of them are waiting for it. And you know what, Pastor David, that I saw in this scripture? When the Spirit came, the Spirit came upon the hundred and twenty. The Spirit didn't just come upon Peter. The Spirit just didn't come upon John. The Spirit just didn't come upon Andrew. The Spirit, when it came, it came upon the whole community. It came upon the 120. It came upon them as a group. What are you saying, Pastor Josh? I am saying that one of the signs of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit don't just bless one person. He has a tendency to bless a community. He has a tendency to bless a church. You see, sometimes if we're not careful, we think that if I'm filled with the Spirit... Then, you know, I'll speak in tongues. And yes, there is truth to that. That's true. But one, one of the ways that you know the Spirit of God is working in a church is when people are a part of a community of believers. Because when the Spirit is working, the Spirit has a tendency to work through a body. And that's what God was doing. God was working through the 120 disciples, He wasn't just working through Peter. He wasn't just working through John and Andrew. He came upon 120 people because God desires to work through a group of people. And I want to know something this morning, Christ's point. Do we want the Holy Spirit to work in us? Do we want the Holy Spirit to flow through us? The Spirit just did not isolate one person. He came upon them as a group. You see, how do I know the Spirit of God is at work in a church? I know the Spirit of God is at work in a church when you are connected to a community and you're in one mind and one accord. And let me say this, it takes the Holy Spirit to be connected to a church. I'm going to say that again. It takes the Holy Spirit to be connected to a church. It's easy to point our finger and say, I don't like that. I wish they would stop that. I don't know why he says that. I don't know. It takes the Spirit of God working in you and through you to be connected to a body of believers, but that's how you know the Spirit of God is working when you can stay planted in a church even though. See, it don't take no spirit for you to get critical and point your finger. Anybody can do that but it takes the Spirit of God working in you to stay planted in a community of believers. Pastor Larry, that's what the Holy Spirit did. The Holy Spirit came down like glue and he glued that 120 disciples together, and that 120 disciple were empowered by the Spirit, and they worked together as a team, and they left the upper room, and they preached the gospel. That is God's plan for this church, is that we be endued with the Spirit of God, and we work together as a body, and we leave this building declaring the wonderful works of God. What does the Scripture teach us? It teaches us that God doesn't just isolate people for ministry. The Holy Spirit came upon a group and He worked through a group of people. What does it take for Pentecostal power? It takes us working together as a community. It takes us working together as a church. You see, the Bible says they were in one place and one accord. What does it mean to be one accord? They had a common goal, they had a common vision. What was that goal? Jesus said, Wait for it, go to the upper room. And those 120 disciples went to the upper room and they waited for the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, ladies and gentlemen, This story teaches us that anybody can feel the Spirit on Sunday morning. Anybody can shout, hoop, and holler on Sunday morning, but it takes the real Spirit of God working through a group of people to declare the message outside of these walls. What does this story teach us? It teaches us that, number one, that God established a new group of people called the church, 120, and He used that group of people to accomplish His mission. God uses a group of people. He uses a community of people. You know why God has designed it that way? Because pride puffs up. And, and it's very easy for us to say, well, I can do it better. I don't need them. God says, you need to be connected to the body, you have to be connected to the community. Because it teaches you to walk hand in hand with one another. It teaches you to submit to your brother and your sister. It teaches you to walk in a spirit of love and a spirit of humility. He works through a group of people. Now, what, that's what it takes. For us to see the power of God, it takes us walking together in one accord as a group of people. But what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit, number two? Now, let me explain something to you. Everybody look up here. When you hear speaking in tongues in a church service, that is glossolalia. That is prayer language to God. Okay? So, it's unknown to you. Nobody's taught you to speak in tongues. It's a gift. It's a free gift but it's a prayer language to God and it's called glossolalia Paul uses the Greek word glossolalia and that is found in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 where Paul lists the gifts lists the gifts and one of the gifts that he lists is speaking in tongues but in Acts chapter 2 it is not a prayer language it's not glossolalia In Acts chapter number 2, when the Spirit came and they began to speak in tongues, the Bible says they left the upper room and the people in the city heard their own language. Now I'm going to say it again. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul speaks of a gift called speaking in tongues. The Greek word glossolalia. It's a prayer language to God. But in Acts chapter 2, it is not glossolalia. And it is not a prayer to God. In Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit came and they spoke in tongues, they spoke in tongues, it was a language for people to understand. When you speak in tongues, it's a language that only God understands. It is a prayer to God. But in Acts chapter 2, when they spoke in tongues, they spoke the language of the people that was visiting in the city. So these 120 people is worshiping God. They're praying in the upper room and all of a sudden the Spirit came and it hovered over them and it appeared as cloven tongues as a fire. They begin to speak with other languages, left the upper room and everybody in the city said, you're speaking my language. I thought you were a Galilean. How, how How are you speaking that language You was never taught that language. Because verse number 6, Acts chapter 2, verse number 6, do you recall the scripture? Verse number 6, Acts 2, verse 6, they'll put it up there for me. Acts 2, verse 6, and and when this sound occurred, the multitude came together. Acts chapter 2, verse 6, they came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. Now I'm going to say it again. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is speaking to the church. He is saying that there is a gift called glossolalia, a prayer language, that when you pray, you speak mysteries to God. That's what we do in church. But in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit came and they begin to speak in tongues, they begin to speak tongues of languages for people to understand. What was God trying to do? God was saying, listen, I told you in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. Put the scripture up there real quick. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. Acts chapter 1 verse number 8 says this. And when the Spirit comes you will be a witness not only unto Judea, but you'll be a witness unto the uttermost parts of the world. Now let me ask you a question. How are you going to be a witness to Samaria? How are you going to be a witness to Judea? How are you going to be a witness to the uttermost parts of the earth if you don't know how to speak their language? So the Holy Spirit is saying this. I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And what I'm getting ready to do is I'm going to break down language barriers. I'm going to break down all the barriers so that you can go throughout the world and you can preach the gospel. So these disciples left the upper room in field with the Holy Ghost, inspired by the Holy Ghost because God is saying, I have endued you with power so that you can preach the message around the world on every continent, to every tribe, to every nation. I've empowered you to go forth and preach. God is saying, what I want to do is a worldwide kind of thing. What I want to do is I want to make sure this message gets to the whole world. How are they going to get the message to the whole world? They're going to get the message to the whole world when they are endued with power. And they were endued with power to speak other languages so that they could get the message out quickly. It's a shame for us to be called Pentecostals and we don't share the gospel with our neighbors. We don't share the gospel with our co-workers. It's a shame for us to be called Pentecostals and you sit there with your arms folded and never declare the mysteries of God to your neighbor. For you to be called a Pentecostal, it, 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 isn't, it, is, it is imperative that you preach the gospel. These disciples went forth, and they declared the message. And now, the gospel is being preached around the world because what God was doing, breaking down. Listen, the book of Acts tells us that when the Spirit came, He broke down, He broke down generational barriers. He said, "Your sons and your daughters would be." filled with the Spirit, they would prophesy. He broke down generational barriers. He broke down racial barriers. He broke down language barriers. God is saying, what I want to do in the last days, I'm going to break down generational racial ethnic barriers because I've got to get the news out to the world. That's why men can preach and women can preach. That is why the Spirit came upon men and women. Because He said, I'm doing a new thing and this new thing I'm I'm just not raising up a select group of people anymore. In the Old Testament I anointed only priests. In the Old Testament I only anointed kings. But now in this new dispensation I'm raising up men and I'm raising up women. I'm raising up new kings i'm raising up new priests and i'm anointing them with the power of the holy ghost to go forth and preach the gospel in the old testament in the old testament it was just a select group of people that had the spirit in the old testament it was kings and priests they had the spirit and you know what they would do in the old testament my god i don't mean to get excited but in the old testament they would they would take a they would take a uh, a vessel and that vessel would have oil to the brim and when they anointed a king they would pour the oil all over them and it would drip from the head all the way down to the toes. When they anointed the priest they would do the same thing but God says to to the the preacher Peter he said in the last days i am going to pour my spirit out upon your sons i'm going to pour my spirit out upon your sons i'm going to pour it out on your daughters it's no longer for me it's no longer for priests it's no longer for kings this thing is for every generation of all times He said, I'm going to pour it out. I'm going to pour it out upon everyone that wants to receive this thing. God was trying to do something new on the day of Pentecost. He was trying to get the message out. He was saying, I'm breaking down walls now. Listen, women had to take the back seat in the Old Testament. But now I'm kicking women to the forefront, pouring the Spirit on them. They're going to run with power. They're going to run with glory. Some of you women need to get out of the kitchen and get the Holy Ghost and go preach the gospel. He said, He said, He said, Your sons, your daughters are going to prophesy. He said, I'm I'm doing a new thing.
1: He said,
0: I'm gonna break down all these racial barriers. I'm gonna break down ethnic barriers. I'm gonna break down These language barriers. This is a new community. All of the community is a priesthood now. Y'all with me? Uh, Yeah, I know I'm acting crazy. How many knows it's okay just once in a while? The preacher acts crazy. hold, hold, Hold on. You know, Moses, put this up here, brother, real quick. Numbers 11, verse 25. Numbers eleven twenty-five. 25. I am doing my doctoral research on all this. So I'm just sharing some of the stuff I found, all right? Is that all right? Come on. Are you all with me? Numbers 11, verse 25. Moses spoke of this. Thousands of years before the day of Pentecost came, Moses spoke that there was, there was something going to happen to a new generation. He said in verse number 25, or the Scripture records Numbers 11.25, And the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to him and took of the Spirit that was on him and placed it upon the 70 elders. And it happened that when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied, although they never did so again. Now, look at verse number 29. Now, the next few Scriptures says they all begin to prophesy. And then the, the scripture ends in verse number 29. Verse 29. And then the Bible says, and then Moses said, Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all of the Lord's people would be prophets, and the Lord would put His Spirit up on them. My God, I'm going to say that again. Moses, thousands of years before this, said, Oh, Because remember the Spirit came upon a few of them and they prophesied. And Moses stood in the midst of the camp and said, he said, are you zealous for my sake only? He says, but the Lord. He says, the Lord, I wish that all the Lord's people would be prophets and the Lord would rest His Spirit up on them. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what God was trying to do in Acts chapter number 2. He was fulfilling what Moses saw years before. Moses said, I just wish that all of God's people would have the Spirit of God. I wish that all of God's people would walk as prophets. I wish that all of God's people would walk in the power of God. And the Spirit of God came in Acts chapter 2, and the Spirit was doing exactly what Moses saw thousands of years before. The Spirit came upon them, and they left the upper room. As if they were prophets and they begin to prophesy the word of God.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this
0: gift of the Spirit is not for us to speak in tongues in church. If you're so full of the Spirit of God like you say you are,
1: Pentecostals wear
0: me out, I tell you. Sometimes I think I should just go Baptist because some Pentecostals just wear me out. Because they're always, they, they, you know what they remind me of, David? Like a bunch of drug addicts. Always jumping from church to church trying to get some kind of spirit on them. Always jumping from church service to, when in the world do you find that in Scripture? I'm just looking for somebody who loves Jesus so much and you got so much of the Spirit of God, you are able to endure the dry times. You're able to worship God in the dry spots of your life. You don't have to jump from one church to another to try to get your praise on. If you got so much of that Spirit like you say you got, it should be enough to stabilize you in the middle of the storm. There's times in my life I've went, months. I didn't sense the presence of God. I would pray. I would cry. I would weep. I would read the Bible. I went to church service. I was just going through a dry spot. But I understood that God called me to be planted and not potted. And so I'm going to be planted right there. Well, I'm preaching real good. Can somebody just help me out here? Now, you ain't, you ain't going to find anybody else that wants the power of God and the presence of God. I like all that. I want all that. I desire all that. I pray for all of it. All the time. I like it and love it. It's in me. But i got enough of the Spirit of God to know that I can remain faithful to him even when I don't feel it, and even when he doesn't do what I want him to do, I've got enough of the power of God inside of me that I can learn to sit on a church pew and be taught the word of God. There are some Christians so hyper-spiritual that you
1: can't teach them anything. They're just Give me another fix.
0: It's hard to just find somebody faithful, loves Jesus, planted, learn how to stay on the ship without jumping off the ship and learning to know that the Spirit of God comes at times and sometimes it don't come and I'm going to be faithful to Him whether He delivers me out of the fiery furnace or whether He don't deliver me. I'm still not going to bow, old king. It doesn't matter. I'm still planted as a rock.
1: Yeah, people,
0: is this all right, y'all? The Spirit of God, because we need to deal with this. Because now, now don't, don't get mad at me. I love y'all. Don't, don't send me an email and call me, in my, come to my office and say, no, don't want all that. I'm just preaching, it's not directed to anyone in particular. Somebody say, Amen. I'm just speaking from my own experience. You know, I'm young, but I've seen a lot of stuff in my life. Come on, somebody. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I'm unhappy in my marriage. But I think Brother so-and-so, Brother Willie, he looks real hot. I just pray that the Lord will deliver me from my marriage so I can get with Brother Willie. I thought, no, I ain't joking. Y'all laughing at me. Y'all think I'm, I'm just crazy, but I've heard some freaky stuff up in the church house. I thought, I, I didn't, you know what, I'm bad. I'm bad at just wanting to speak my mind. But sometimes I just keep my mouth shut, I thought, well, I thought you were the one that gave a message in tongues the other day. I thought you were the one that fell out on the floor and rolled around the, the hardest. And you're, you're, you're the one that thinks everybody, and, and if you really got the Spirit of God, He is a teacher. He is a paraclete. He leads you into all truth. He don't lead you into error.
1: What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that. When the Spirit came, He came upon a group of people who worked together. He came on 120. I'm saying that
0: when the Spirit came now get this. What is the purpose of the Spirit? The purpose of the Spirit is to evangelize the world. How do I know that? 120, the Spirit came, they spoke languages, left the upper room and spoke the languages in the city, and everybody understood their language, and so therefore 3,000 souls were saved. So what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to evangelize the world. What does it take for the Spirit to work? It takes a group of people who are hungry for God. It took 120 disciples. That's what it takes. What is the purpose of it? To evangelize the world. They spoke languages. They understood their language. And 3,000 souls were converted. Now, what happened? The Spirit came. They spoke languages. And everybody in the city was like, I didn't know you can speak Spanish, I didn't know you can speak Creole, but they started speaking these languages and they understood it and mass conversions happened. So, I thought we're a Pentecostal church,
1: why do we got so many empty seats? All this Holy Ghost we got. So the next time you come to me and jerk
0: around, I want you to take that jerk and let the Holy Ghost speak to you, to your neighbor, and to the people outside of these walls. I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm just being real, real with you. We say we got all this power and all this Holy Ghost. And if we really got it,
1: we're called to be a witness to the nations. Are y'all love me?
0: Can I get some love over here? Is this all right? What about over here? Can I get some love over here? Is this all right? Now, how many knows I'm preaching the Word this morning? How many knows this is the Word? I'm not making fun of anybody. I like to jerk around too. But you're going to see me open my mouth too and speak the Word. You're going, to, you're going to see me operate. The, the gifts of the Spirit is not just for church service. The gifts of the Spirit, when you go to Walmart and the Spirit says to you, you better speak to that person because that person is going through a hard time and you are an instrument of God even in, not just in church service.
1: And isn't it amazing that,
0: listen to this. So, so you see the progression. I'm almost done. What does it take to get the power? Well, it takes God working through a community who is ready in one accord. What is the purpose of it? The purpose of it is to evangelize the world. Would you agree with that? And then, I want you to see number three, I want you to see what is particular about the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to end with this. The particular way of the Spirit is this. Now, you have what it takes to get the Spirit. That's one accord. He works through a body of believers. You have, number two, the purpose of it is to evangelize the world. And number three, you have a particular way of the Holy Spirit. And that is this. The Bible says that they begin to speak in tongues languages so that people could understand. They had different languages, everybody say different languages, but yet the Bible declares that even though they had different languages, they spoke the wonderful mysteries or the wonderful uh, uh, mysteries of God, the wonderful works of God, excuse me. So you have this, now, don't lose me, you had different languages, they all have different languages, they're all speaking in the city. Everybody's understood in them, understanding them. Acts 1, Acts 2, verse 6. Acts chapter 2, verse 6. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together. They were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. Verse number 7, Acts 2, 7, they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Aren't these people supposed to be from Galilee? So, what is happening here? What's happening here is that each person had a different language. In other words, there was diversity in the languages. But they all spoke of the wonderful works of God. I'm going to say that again. Different languages, they had different languages. I didn't speak the same language that you would speak, we all have different languages. I may be speaking Asia, you may be speaking Spanish or whatever. We all have different languages. They all have different languages that they're speaking. But they're all speaking the wonderful works of God. So in other words, the particular way of the Spirit is this. The Spirit works in diversity, but the end result is to glorify God. I'm going to say that again. Diversity, different gifts, different languages but the end result is to glorify the wonderful works of God. In other words, in a body of believers, there is diversity of gifts, but the end result is that gift should speak of the wonderful works of God. Your singing. You may have a gift to sing. You may have a gift to preach. You may have a gift to cook. You may have a gift to encourage. You may have a gift of administration. But all of those diversity of gifts should point to the wonderful works of God. If your gift is about you... If you desire the praise and the glory and you desire to be set on a pedestal, then ladies and gentlemen, that's not giving glory to the wonderful works of God. Each of us have different gifts, but the gift should declare the wonderful works of God.
1: So you shouldn't get
0: jealous of your neighbor when your neighbor could sing and you can't sing. But pastor, I want to get up here and sing on the praise team. You can't sing, baby.
1: So quit asking.
0: Some people just don't have the gift. I want to preach, pastor. No, I need you to buy a Bible first and go to Growth Point on Wednesday night and learn about the tenets of our faith before you get up here and Preach. But pastor, I would like to get up there and do something. No, I need you to show up to church a little bit more and maybe be a servant and help us clean on Saturdays. I want to see that you're committed to the ministry of the church and you're not trying to
1: glorify yourself.
0: All different gifts, but it better glorify God. But but pastor... I, I've been prophesied over three years ago that I'm going to speak to the nations. Oh, really? Have you been tithing? You don't even show up to church on Sunday night and you
1: think you're going to preach to the nations? I just wish somebody up in this Pentecostal church would wave your hanky and say, you're preaching right there, Pastor. But, but,
0: but Pastor. I have a gift of healing. Somebody prayed over my hands, and put oil on my hands, and, and God, you better use me in the prayer team. No, I'm not using you in the prayer team until you show that you're faithful with your money and faithful with your attendance. And faith. You can go you know, get mad, get upset, get your, get your feathers ruffled and go to the church down the street, but the way you exit is the way it happens in life. The way you exit is the way that you enter. So it follows you, let me tell you. Oh, go down the church, go down the church because
1: some church will promote you real quick. But at this church, we're going to do it God's way. Is that all right? You say, the pastor. The pastor. The pastor. Lord has given me a global ministry. Really? He's given you a global ministry and your children don't even come to church. The Bible says if you're going to be a bishop, your own children have to be subject unto you. global ministry.
0: It's quiet up in here. I see the smoke just rolling off the back of that wall right there. How many knows I'm preaching real good? Is this this all right? How many knows that I love you? Now listen, listen, listen. I'm not pinpoint anybody. This, this ain't up here throwing stones. I'm not pinpointing anybody. I'm just preaching in the Spirit. I'm following the Spirit. Is that all right? And some of this stuff I've just learned in my 15 years of pastoring. And, and, and people just don't learn, so they just go throughout their whole life wondering why God ain't using them. When really the Spirit is saying, I first want you to understand that your gift even though it's diverse and different from others, it should bring glory to me. That the Spirit of God always works in conjunction with a group of people, a community.
1: So this is how the Spirit works. And That every one of us is called
0: to evangelize the world. Amen. I promise you. I'll end with this. If the Spirit has anointed you with a gift, the Scripture says your gift will make
1: a way for you.
0: If the Spirit has given you a gift, He'll make a way for you. You don't have to worry about Pastor Josh. The Spirit is the one that promotes, and the Spirit is the one that demotes. The Spirit is the one that opens doors and the Spirit is the one that closes doors. If you follow God with your heart and walk uprightly before Him and be rooted and planted and work together as a community of believers witnessing the wonderful works of God, I promise you the Spirit will make a way where men have shut doors before.
1: Don't, don't, don't. Spirit.
0: So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this. What does it take? It takes 120. It takes a community. It takes a community who is willing and able to be used of God. Number two, what is the purpose of it? It's always to evangelize the world and to get the message out. That's the purpose of the Spirit. Number three, the particular way of the Spirit is to give us different gifts. But in the end, it should always glorify God.